Welcome to Sitting with My Sisters. We are three friends in three different places with three different perspectives. Bringing you a podcast to share the love, light, and goodness of Jesus Christ as we go through the recent general conference talks from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm one of your hosts, Melissa Hoy, and with me are my sisters, Kristen Lawler and Jamie Stone. Is that Mission Impossible? No, that's Crime Junkie. It's Crime Junkie. But I sing it all the time, but I usually sing it with my headpiece in, so I have no idea. It's because you need the cool music in the background, but I thought maybe people were listening. They were like, yes, we're listening to Crime Junkie. all excited about it. Well, welcome to Sitting with My Sisters. We are recording. That was, we are trying out a new theme song. Hola. Don't sue us. We're not copywriting. Although well, it sounded nothing like it. So I thought it was Mission Impossible. So I wasn't <laughs> sure what was doing. So, but here we are, season two. We are back. We've taken a little bit more of a hiatus just to get all of our ducks in order and bringing you guys a really great. Uh, conference talk good conference interesting conference it was my first time actually watching it all I mean other than the men's session I didn't watch but usually I only since I'm the only one in my family that watches it I don't typically get to watch the whole thing me and Jamie had ran 22 miles the day before I was tired and then I ran seven that morning. So I was a little exhausted watching conference, but you know, it was peaceful. We had our um, good food and, and whatnot. So, so yeah. And Jamie yeah. had a cinnamon roll. That looked really good. It's delicious. <laughs> so, well, we are going to, uh, head over to Sister Joy D. Jones, who was ended up being well, I sorry, she ended up being released, but not because of this talk, but it was just the nature of her calling. But she was released as the primary uh, general president, uh, during the Saturday afternoon session. Um, anyway, so she gives a great talk called Essential Conversations, um, which I really liked. It was really kind of it was it was really interesting it was it really was, i don't i think that anyway i had to be in the right state of mind to be able to listen to it i don't remember a lot of things she said i remember i always really like what she has to say and whatnot but um um i i think that she to have the right what i want to talk to my children about and like the right perspective or whatever was um um, I'm grateful to listen to it this week. That makes sense. Anyway. I really enjoyed her talk. Like you, I often enjoy what Sister Jones shares with us. But this talk, I felt like as soon as it was over, I'm pretty sure I texted you both and was like, mm, that talk was for me. Uh, I've talked about this before. My husband's not a member. We, I go to church um, by myself with the children. But we also travel a lot. So I don't go to church every single Sunday. 
we do a lot of family trips and camping, especially now that we live in a different state than the rest of our family. And during the pandemic, we did church at home, I think twice. I mean, I do my own study, but I don't do it with my children. And my oldest daughter is actually going to be getting baptized this June. And it's something that's been weighing on me a lot lately. It's to make sure that my children um, have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, have a testimony of their own, and that it is truly a choice that they are making to be baptized. So I have gotten a little bit better since this talk, but it is something I've been thinking a lot about. And then the rest of our daily schedule it's busy and I haven't been able to do all the stuff that I want to do. And I'm glad that we're starting this um, season off with this talk and coming at a time that I really needed to uh, like a refresher on, you know, getting it in gear for my children. This talk was actually a really interesting one for me because it's kind of one of my first times watching conference where I just don't know if I'm full in anymore. I'm kind of more on the outer part. And so, I don't know, just a lot of the stuff she had to say, um, I don't know how to be that for my kids right now. My husband is great at it, but I just don't know how to be that example of faith for them because I wanna be honest with them. I want them to know where I'm at. And then also, I don't want my mom listening, you know, to that talk thinking that she parented me wrong, or she didn't do enough, because I'm having these doubts or because my two older brothers um, left the church a while back. But so I just kind of had mixed emotions about her talk. I can absolutely see that this, this was, even though I enjoyed it and felt that the message was for me, it was still a very emotional talk and I can see all the different angles and how it could be tough for people in different circumstances and in different parts of their seasons of life and faith for them to hear. You know, I, so the very first part of it really kind of got to me, um, you know, she says, and she's talking about why, why is it so, why do we call it primary to begin with? Because they're so important that, that children are so important. They're so precious. They're so valued and they're so, um, in, needed that guidance. Um, and she says, the very first part says, he trusts us to value, respect, and protect them as children of God. That means we never harm them physically, verbally, and emotionally in any way, even when tensions and pressures run high. Instead, we value children and do all we can do to combat the evils of abuse. Their care is primary to us as it is to him. And that was just a huge, huge thing. Not that I, I feel like I'm a <laughs> physically or verbally abusive to my, to my children, but just kind of helped me to be in check a little bit more of how, what are, what are my children to me? Why did I, why did I have children? <laughs> um, you know, 
what is my responsibility as, as their mother? Um, I think I forget how much they look to me for guidance and they look to me for the example um, and they look for help or attention or, or whatever it may be just to know that they're loved. Um, and I, I just, I, for me, it was just a really good reminder to remember how much not only do I value them, but, but Heavenly Father is entrusting me with his children um, to make sure that they know they're amazing um, and they have so much potential. And so she kind of goes on to a little story about um, a young mother and her father on, and a young mother and father on how their four-year-old uh, son was jumping and, and fell out of bed. And his response was that, um, you know, why did you fall out of bed? He says like, I know, I just, I just didn't get far enough. And, um, and it was kind of interesting. That was her own premise of this talk is to help our kids get far enough. Um, eventually our children are going to have to be on their own. Eventually they're going to have to do their own thing, which is, which is great. Um, but are we helping them and giving them the right tools to help them get far enough? Um, one thing that my father has always taught me, which I'm really grateful for, is how to stand back up when life gets rough. And I've been always appreciative of that. And that no matter what has come to me, I've always looked at a situation not as, I always looked at as, as opportunity of, of, of growth and not as life is down bad and, and to give up. Um, and so I, I think about those, that little tool that I have that he's given me so I can get far enough in life and trying to think, what am I teaching my children now to how they can get far enough? And it's kind of hard because my four kids are very, very different. Um, me and my son, my oldest son, we think a lot alike. My second son is a little bit more, has a lot more anxiety and, um, gets carried away in the, in the moments and gets very impulsive. And then my, my daughters are are like things of fashion and beautiful things, which I don't understand. So we, we definitely don't understand eye to eye on that one either, but I'm trying to learn to see what, um, what helps them and what, what creates them. And so I think that there are times where I, just, I don't see them as individuals, but just as my kids. And I, I would love to see them more as individuals and what they, they need to help them get that far instead of just a collectively, if that makes sense. I like too that it doesn't say that we have to get our children all the way in. It says we just need to get them far enough in. And I think it's important to make sure that what we're teaching our children, that they under that they know how to pray, how to have their to help them create and recognize um, his voice and his blessings in our lives, and then to help them um, nurture their own testimonies. I know so many people who grow up in the church, they didn't have a testimony of their own. It was always their parents or just like what they were taught, but it wasn't from their own experience or their own beliefs or studies and stuff. And I think it's important to teach our children that aspect of faith. Absolutely. I like the simplicity of what she talks about, what our conversations need to be with our kids. Um, and it's, it's the simple foundation of 
God, um, of praying to him, of understanding how his spirit will talk to you, of having faith in him and, and living righteously. Um, and I liked how it was simple of the th conversations that we need to base upon, not complex on how they can be sometimes with, um, adults. And I don't, and I don't know, I mean, um, like I said, I think things can be kind of crazy with a lot of different thoughts and ideas and, um, in our beliefs and, and whatnot be, but when it comes down to it, what, how we believe in, I feel like how we believe in God is what, what needs to be the foundation of what we're doing, how we believe in it. And so, um, I like how it's that, it's that simple thing there of, of knowing God so that way you can know who you are and knowing how the spirit will inspire you. Cause I know a lot of people that aren't members of the church that believe in God and gosh, they're such great people. They're such wonderful people and they're such amazing. And, and you just, you're around them and they're just, you see this goodness and, and striving to be the best possible. And that's really where, like I said, the, the foundation should be of the striving to be good and striving to do good to others and love each other um, and love everyone. That's what I think. But moving on to it. Um, but I think that they don't, um, I think, you know, one thing I'm having a hard time for myself is trying to know what conversation I should have with my children because, you know, my parents, I was raised in the church and my parents didn't have many conversations with me about understanding what the spirit is or, or what I should be doing or, or whatnot. And so I'm kind of just going with it. <laughs> and so hopefully that all that, that works out. Um, and I'm hoping not to overwhelm them too much too, because I've seen how much having some negative thoughts or negative feelings can really affect you. But I don't want to scare them too much on how scary the world can be so i've been trying to figure out that balance of how to how to help have these conversations with my kids i the for me the easiest place to have conversations like this is in the car because i have like they don't have a choice <laughs> you know um so sometimes i try to like have deep or just kind of general conversations with them about the gospel or different topics. We say our morning prayers and affirmations on our way to school every day. And we now carpool. So the other girls I carpool with now also have their morning prayers and affirmations with us as well. But I found that those quiet times has helped. And I've tried to be more aware of bringing different things to their intentions that are blessings or answers to prayers or uh, kind of bringing it back around to gospel truths. And I found kind of easier like object lessons of stuff that's happened in our lives to relay them to, you know, whatever lessons from the church. Again, I am not great at this. But that is one thing that's kind of helped me have these conversations with them. I just try to be as open and honest with my kids as I possibly know how to be. Um, I have like a bunch of 
books right now that I keep going back and forth between because I'm trying to build my faith on the restoration, like starting from ground zero. And I have this really cool book by Anthony Sweat called um, Repicturing the Restoration. And I'll read it at night in my bed and my six-year-old likes to come and cuddle with me before he goes to bed. And he's been looking at these pictures with me and kind of cool because there's a picture of the first vision of how Joseph actually describes it. Not the popular one that we've all seen throughout our childhood and adult life. It's like actually the most accurate depiction of like, God and Heavenly Father, and there's flames surrounding them and a host of angels, and you see Satan trying to flee. And so it's kind of cool because my six-year-old asks me questions about all of these paintings, and I've been able to teach him the restoration from a new point of view, not the way I learned it, which I kind of call the fairy tale version, <laughs> but from like, I just love the idea of repicturing the restoration and being able to share that with my kids. Cause I feel like pictures speak a thousand words, especially to children when they're like such visual learners. So it's been kind of cool to have those types of conversations with my kids, conversations I wish I would have had with my parents when I was little. Does he bring up the certain things like questions about things or do you kind of or is that mutual where you bring up little things of like, oh, look at this or whatnot, or? He just, he gets all into it. He's just, he, he'll point out certain things and be like, oh, why are there flames there? Or what's this scary looking guy in the corner? And I had to tell him that's Satan. He didn't even know who Satan was. That's yeah. how like innocent he is, you know? And so I kind of had to <laughs> describe the war in heaven and stuff, but yeah, he'll just look at the pictures and like the next one was Joseph Smith digging because we all know he was named a treasure hunter or whatever. And so he's like, mom, what's he looking for? You know, and I told him he was searching for treasure. <laughs> I always think honesty is the best policy, especially with our children. Yeah, because for me, I think that's been the biggest thing for my um you want to call it a faith crisis I now call it a trust crisis because I just don't trust what I hear anymore I don't trust my feelings because I feel like so many things I learned growing up they were just sugar-coated and the whole truth wasn't told and so I'm just I'm having a really hard time believing anything anymore and trusting myself if I'm feeling the spirit or not and it's just it's this awful, awful struggle. And I used to call it a faith crisis, but now I have renamed it into a trust crisis because I just like don't have that trust. And it's sad because I wish I did. And it's, it's not my parents' fault. You know, they only taught me what they knew. And same with my leaders. I don't blame, you know, the people that taught me or anything. It's, I just wish I could have grown up knowing things a different way. And I want that for my children. I like the way your kids, though, look at things, and I hope that they see things as not light, but I feel like there's a lot of, as much as there's more truth in your home, there's also a lot of laughter in your home. I, for some reason, I think about when your guys' rabbit died and your 
mom was trying to explain where the rabbit was going. <laughs> oh no. And it's just, it's just that realness, but also a way to look and just like kind of la like laugh about, you know, stuff. And I think that's a really great balance between taking on some serious things, but also enjoying the moments in life with them, if that makes sense. I, I see that a lot in your family, at least when I, when I see that, them knowing a lot more that I don't usually hide from my kids, but they laugh about a lot more though, too, as well. I'm being aware of things, although I got to be better because my, my kids, I realize are listening in a lot more. Um, oh. Yeah, a lot more. Yeah. And I just think that they're tuning out and doing their own thing. Um, but they get like, in, like, they get into this conversations. Um, you know, Jamie was telling me a fantastic story about her uncles the other day. And Zach was in the car and he was just enthralled in it. And he was laughing and just like enjoying it. And, and um, you know, and it was just, I, I forget, they are at that age. And they have been at that age for a while, but they're really just wanting to know what's going on. And, um, and what a better way to then be honest and open them of what's going on with you and be able to look back. Um, my mom told me a long time ago, a long, long, long time ago, you know, she remember telling me like, you know, if you ever need help, don't be scared of therapy or don't be scared of this or whatever, you know? And I remember having that honest conversation with her and to be able to take, take, I, I'm not scared of going to therapy, which has helped me so much in my life, you know? And I just think those little things, those little moments that my parents have conversations that they had with me really helped open up doors. And so I hope to have those with my kids that they can feel okay of being themselves. They feel okay and feel safe about even, you know, struggling or um, knowing the whole picture or, or whatever. Um, that's what I, I hope. And I think that's because they're not going to have a perfect life. That's just, that's just impossible. But to have a, a, they know a parent that cares for them and will be there for them and listen to them and accept them for all that. That's, I think that's, that's everything I, I feel. Um, let's see. Well, going on, they, they, they talk about how um, having these conversations or will help. Um, they're talking about having role play. Um, of different temptations or different things. So that way they don't feel so caught off guard. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was in school, we did this role play. And I was like in seventh grade and we did this role play of like saying no to drugs. And so, you know, so we had our like speech or whatever. And so we all paired up and then we were supposed to like do our thing and then show it to the class. So we show it to the class and my friend who I was paired up with she, um, we were talking about like not doing drugs or not drinking or, or, or something, you know, that was bad at that time. She's like, Hey, do you want to go uh, take some of uh, these frogs and, you know, pump air into air in them till they blow up? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And so, um, <laughs> and so I started like laughing. She's like, well, don't you want to do that? I'm like, wait, this isn't what we practice. What are you doing? And then the teacher's like, well, it's never going to be what you practice. You got to know what to say and what was right and wrong. It was kind of like a weird, a very, very weird situation and lesson, but I'm like, how, how important is that? Like these little role play things that you don't feel like nervous or caught off guard or, or whatever that when, cause you're not going to know what they're going to ask you to do. So you're not going to know what your response is going to be. And so I thought of that when they were talking about the, the role playing of how, um, how much I 
I don't think my kids are prepared. So I need to talk to them about that thing or what to say or whatnot, but about to have those role-playing conversations, to have to be prepared and be okay with, with saying no, or, or, cause you're, you're going to be shocked of maybe what's going to be coming at you. I think it's important too, to have those conversations, not just in terms of like gospel doctrines, but just in life in general. And I think it is important to talk to them about what they can say, how to say it, what to do, and even to let them like blame us parents. Like, oh, my mom says I can't do that. Or I can't do whatever. My mom's gonna be really upset or we won't be, you know, I think it's okay that they can use our us as scapegoats, but it's so important for them to know what to say or to tell them, this is what you say. This is what you do. Because we, I think, we just assume too much that our children know better or that they wouldn't do it or, but sometimes you really have to spell it out for them. So I think I like that she talked about role-playing. Plus I've always worked sales jobs and we'd have to role-play in every single job I've ever had. And it's, nobody likes doing it. It is so embarrassing and awkward. Oh. My children have had lots of role play recently and be weird, be rude, stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> we all have the tank tops too. That is the crime junkie, you know, to stay alive, you have to be weird and rude because people won't touch you. And I have nightmares about my kids getting kidnapped or stolen. And so I, I do think they're role playing will help them live. Is that life. why they're so weird then too? It's just yes. it's, it's defense mechanism. It's, it's, so it's not their personality. It's like, it's, it's, it's to save their life. So. No, totally. <laughs> no, I had no. Talk- oh, Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, 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 you, Jamie. No, you, Jamie. <laughs> you, you, you. No, but I was going to say, like, I, I feel like kids understand role-playing and it, it sticks with them when they're taught it. I remember a lesson I was taught one time in Young Women's actually is uh, one of my teachers had said to write down all the things that you never want to do. So it's like, you never want to drink alcohol, write it down. And once you write it down and commit to it, like later on in life, and this is probably why I still haven't had a sip of alcohol (laughs) because I wrote it down and I committed to myself like I'm not going to drink alcohol or I'm not going to do this, you know? So if they learn at a young age, those decisions they, they want to do or don't want to do, they're more likely to follow them. Absolutely. Um, in my years of being in, uh, not active, I did drink alcohol. And I remember the very first sip I had, I said, I'm not going to do this forever. Uh, I'm going to definitely stop once I have children. And I didn't stop after my first child. And when I had my second, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm too in. And I always said I was going to stop. And so I stopped right after I had her and I haven't had, it's been, this year will be six years since I've had any alcohol. And it really, like, I never had a problem with alcohol. (laughs) It wasn't a big deal for me to give it up. It was just making that conscious choice and remembering that promise I had made to myself about who I wanted to be and who I wanted to be as an example of to my, my children. 
That's awesome. So I agree with you. Like there's things that you do as a child, as a youth, when you, you know, when you know, when you know everything and <laughs> you're going to be like the coolest mom ever and so awesome and, you know, all these different things. But I feel like there's this very thin window where you really do understand life in a completely different way because hardships and responsibilities hasn't haven't quite hit you in the same way as it is when you're uh, an adult and there are things that you realize of who you want to be that's like a a true truth of who you are does that make sense yeah yeah awesome the next little part she says a little story um i don't that about a friend who was in the military and on how they would do these um these lessons on standing still and he and not make any kind of movement at all and he just said he was just so angry about it and he was so mad because he was so hot and it was just ridiculous and he thought his um, drill instructor was just being cruel and and you know over over the top and ridiculous but then he found out months later that when he was leading a squad in the jungle of vietnam and shots were coming up and they had to drop down and be still that those, he was grateful for the, those lessons of, um, to know what to do and how to act um, in those times of struggle. And so I, I think that that was such a, a, a good e- example because, I mean, I don't think we need to be strict like drill sergeants per se but to be firm in what we're we're trying to share our love to our children and to be able to have them always realize that and so um i just i love that little example of all then the and it kind of goes off about the prophets how the prophets teach that and the prophets um have great desire for us to know to to become close closer to christ but it has to be through following the the certain things that he wants us to do too as well and teaches those lessons and he and so so it was really it's really a little good example there i really like that story a lot and it kind of makes me think of shanti when he's yelling at you during insanity (laughs) you want to quit and then later you're like oh my gosh look at this new muscle i have (laughs) not nearly in the same aspect but similar i did enjoy that story I'm glad that she shared it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the essence of the talk. It was, I, you know, I said it was. Wait, I have one more thing. Nope. Nope. Yes. I said that was it of the talk. Okay. You're wrong because there's like six more paragraphs after that. There's not. (laughs) You want to count one, two, three, four, five, six, and then her ending. I was right. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, Right um, towards the end, she says, as we nurture and prepare our children, we allow for their agency, we love them, um, so forth, and we never give up to them. After all, isn't this the Lord's way with each of us? And I love that in my own journey because, I mean, I was inactive for 10 years. I didn't, like my family as a whole was great, but my immediate family was a joke. And I felt shame a lot growing up for, you know, our situation. 
And then one, you know, instead of feeling shameful for all the sins that I took and stuff, I didn't feel that way coming back. Sorry. It's, uh, it's so important to me to try and not shame my children and not to shame or judge others because that's not the example that Heavenly Father has set for us. So I loved that part. That was probably my favorite part of the whole talk. <laughs> That's, my quote. <laughs> That's my quote. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I couldn't even like it too. Not say it. It's all good. That should have been your quote because you had a way better explanation than I do. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I couldn't talk about it without crying, so that's why I didn't pick it. <laughs> well, that was a talk. It was, um, I don't know, it made me think a lot, and I'm, I'm grateful to be able to go after it. But let's uh, let's get some quotes. Kick it with some quote time. Kristen, you are starting us off. Okay. I got to find it. <laughs> here we go becoming like our savior will not happen randomly i think it's important to live with intention but to continue to grow as people as disciples neighbors and friends and jamie is such a great example of this that even through her her trust journey she continues to try and learn and express herself and educate herself and share this vulnerable part with everyone else. And I feel like she's being very, that's a good example of being intentional about moving forward. <laughs> Don't make me cry, gosh. <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> Michael is when we strengthen a child, we strengthen the family. Um, I've just seen in my little dynamic of my kids that my kids have been a strength and as they are strong and um, they really help the rest of us. Um, my boys were beautiful examples when everything started, when um, things got locked down and we had at church home and they took the initiative on their own to have church to assign talks. They loved running family meetings and it, it strengthened our whole entire family because of it strengthened me. And so I wouldn't, I don't know what I would have done without them. And so um, each one of my kids brings such a value to me and to our family that I just want to strengthen them so that way they always can continue to keep our family strong. Jamie. All right. Last but not ever least. <laughs> so mine was, we allow for their agency. We love them with all our heart. We teach them God's commandments and his gift of repentance. And we never, ever give up on them. And I chose that quote because if out of all of this, at the end of the day, my children know that I love them no matter what that no matter what choices they make in life, that, that I'll never give up on them. My love for them is eternal, 
no matter what choices they make in this life. And I'm so grateful for the people how, who have still chosen to love me through my journey, even if they don't agree with the path I'm taking, that they still choose to support me and love me. Um, it's meant so much to me. And I want that same thing for my kids. I want them to always know that they can come to me about anything and I will never turn my back on them. Awesome. And either will Heavenly Father. That's true. He will not turn our back on us. Well, that was the, the talk. Um, I would love to hear other people. Um, you know, I, I look at our little dynamic here where we all have small kids that uh, still for the most part, listen to us. But, you know, I wonder about those mothers or even fathers out there where their children are a little bit older and have a little bit mind of their own of how, how those conversations have gone for them, those relationships and how you've seen Heavenly Father be an instrument in that. I would love to hear that from you. So if you have a chance, you know, visit our Instagram page, leave some comments, um, let us know um, ways that those essential conversations you've had with your children have uplifted you and have seen, you've seen the the hand of the Lord in your life through that. And uh, we will see you next time on Sitting with My Sisters. Adios. Bye.